Okay, so first of all, I want to express my appreciation to all of you for coming, each and every one of you, and to Rav John for opening up his beautiful home that um, him and his family should have a Yishuv Tov, Be'ezer Hashem, in this wonderful place. She was to host a lot of beautiful events. Be'ezer Hashem. And a tremendous thank you to Rav Arya Polstein for putting this all together and arranging it. Um, big yashukach to, to everybody for making this possible. And yet we find ourselves in like a like a an interesting, awkward transition kind of period, where we're after Pesach. We're nowhere near Shavuos yet, even though we're near Shavuos. We're not like Mamash near Shavuos. And like Ba'imra is still like pretty far off. Even though you could talk about like Ba'imra the whole year long. But it's still, you know, it's, it's not yet like Lagba Imr feel. So what should you speak about, right? What should we speak about? But the truth is, of course, that each and every night of our counting carries with it a unique energy within that day, that day's sphira, that day's mita, that is printed in the Sidurim and that some of us say afterwards in a tefillah where we ask Hashem, help us to work on the Midah of that day. I'm getting to the whole thing of it now, but just very basically, every day has a Midah. And all of this is wrapped up in what Chazal say, Derech Eretz is Kadma Torah, which of course has many wondrous meanings. But on a most simple level, as we come into Shavuos, Derech Eretz comes first, Midos come first, trying to refine ourselves, work on ourselves, become a little bit more self-aware, create in the words of the Vilna Gaim, Nevin Shlema, fertile ground within which to plant the seeds of the Torah. Right? Because the seeds of the Torah, like any seeds, they're, they're full of potency and potential, but they need to be planted in, in a healthy ground. And if the healthy ground is not created, then it's not a chisarn in the Torah. The seed remains as potent as ever. The question is, where are we putting the Torah? Into what receptacle? Into what kind of vessel? So now is the time that we're working on creating vessels. In the Midah of tonight... It's the Midah of Hoid Sheva Gevura. We're in the week of Gevura. And tonight is the Midah of Hod, Hoid Sheva Gevura. Gevura, of course, means severity, judgment, constraint, constriction, restriction. And Hoid means glory, splendor. The glory that is to be found within, within Gvura, these two things seem almost as incongruent as 80 degree weather and snow. Right? <laughs> they seem almost as incongruent. So, Hashem has created for us the physical context within which to speak about two meters that don't seem to fit and to try to figure out what the correlation between them might be and what might it mean to find Hod within Gvura. What, what does this mean? So I want to begin with a preface before we start taking a look at the sources. We have a lot to cover. All the siyat HaDashmai with Hashem's help. One ha'ara, before we begin. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I'm not sure that it is. Ah, okay. It looked like it paused. It's still it's going? going. It's going. Should we, should we set up a back? A back uh, and actually, no, there's a phone call. Just in case. Yeah? I think it has been. Okay, if it is, if it isn't, then we'll trust him. Um, a, word, a word of introduction first. 
Avram Avinu brought monotheism into the world, right? Echad Hoya Avraham, the Pasik tells us, which means that Avram was singular. But it doesn't just mean that Avram was alone, even though he was, it means that Avram's whole mahus was echad, right? Echad hoy Avram. Avraham brought the secret of oneness, of unity into the world and brought the world to a belief in one God to the extent that the Pasik tells us, hanefesh asher asu bechara, right? Avraham's spreading, his faith, was so incredibly powerful that the Torah considers a person who was impacted by that to have become reborn. Hanefesh asher asu bechara, it's the people that Avram created in Haram. He brought people to life. And the way that we think about it is, okay, so HaKadosh Baruch was the God of morality. HaKadosh Baruch was the God of Shabbat Mitzvah Fini Nayach. Hashem is the God later on of the Torah. HaKadosh Baruch has a will that he wants for creation. And there's a vision for the way that the world is supposed to go and what's supposed to happen at the end. And we credit Avraham Avinu as being Avraham Ivri, which Chazal also tell us mean that Avraham was standing Me'ever, right? That's what it means, Ivri. The whole world was on one side and Avraham Avinu was on the other side. And that's the way that we classically think about it. Avraham stood up against idolatry and brought monotheism into the world. But what does that really mean, right? What does that really mean? What's under the hood of this that the whole world believed in idols and Avraham Avinu brought monotheism to the world? What did that radically change other than, obviously, bringing the world from a place of Sheker into Emes? What was the impact on a sociological and emotional personal level? What does it mean to go from being an idol worshiper to believing in one God? What is the implication of that? It's very simple, but it struck me more recently. It's like, wow, it changed my life. And it's so obvious, but it's, it's hidden. An idol worshiper believes that there are many forces that act upon life. And that in the course of a given day, you can experience, but a person can think that they experience the will or expression of a great variety of different gods, right? Lowercase g, right? Theoretical. Different energies and some may be good gods and some may be wrathful gods. And that's just a very simplistic and logical way to understand the world. I didn't create the world. You're a great guy. You didn't create the world. No one here created the world. And so it's very simple to understand that if there's intellect, there must be higher forces that are at play. But the basic problem of monotheistic faith, which is why what Avram Avinu said was so radical, is that Russia Vitoivla and Sadik Varali, right? That's the ultimate question of our faith. How can bad things happen to good people. And the nations of the world in a polytheistic society had a very good answer to that question. It's as simple as it is. Good things come from good gods and bad things come from bad gods. And it's a very basic way to understand things that is super intuitive. Now reflect upon what Avram Avinu did for humanity. I'm not talking about like a religious revolution. We're still working on that. And this is part of that. Hey, bro. Thanks for coming. What does it mean that Avram Avinu brought monotheism to the world? Do you know what that means on a personal level? Like what does that actually mean for a person in his lived experience of day-to-day life? It means that Avram Avinu was the first human being in the world 
to introduce the notion that the bad things in your life also come from a good source. This whole Western concept of like, like we, we called this year, like finding the silver lining. With the Arab Avinu, that's not possible because there are two different categories within which things happen. When bad things happen, they're just bad. And that's it. And there's a war taking place between all these different forces and we have to do rain dances to please this one. And we have to do that to please this one and fend off this and channel energies. And there's a great uh, intergalactic constellation, you know, war happening. And Avram Avinu says, no, there's only one God, which means there's only one source. And Avram Avinu brought to the world that that source is unequivocally tov and that anything that happens in your life that doesn't seem to be, is in a hidden way is actually tov. That changes history forever. Forever. Echad hoya Avram. Avram brings to the world the realization that everything that happens in your life is rooted in a place of oneness, is rooted in a place of meaning, is rooted in a place of kindness. And now we can appreciate the radicalism of Avram Avinu and the courage it took to stand up to a world and try to convince them of such a counterintuitive thing. Shar, right? I mean, Avram, you're inviting so many theological problems now. The question of evil has a presupposition, right? What's the presupposition of the question of evil? Is the notion that bad things might possibly come from a good place. Then we have a question of evil. Otherwise, there is no question of evil, and you avoid it. And Avram Avinu jumps into the fray and says, we'll deal with those questions. But one thing is unequivocally clear. This whole world comes from one source. And the bad things in our life have a meaning. And in that sense, being a grateful person, even when things are challenging, and we're going to learn now, maybe even specifically when things are challenging, crazily enough, we're going to learn about how that might be. It becomes the fundamental DNA of our nation, which is perhaps why we're called Yehudim, which means to be grateful. There are many other nations that are grateful. What's the chiddish of our gratitude is that we know how to be grateful even when the going gets tough because the foundation of monotheism and the essential chiddish of the Jewish people is to feel very deeply that all the darkness is also light. That all the darkness is also light. So with this foundation in the spirit of hoid shebegvura, hoid coming from the word hoda, right, which means gratitude, thankfulness, how to, how to be thankful for gvura, which is tonight's midah, hod shebe gvura, that even when I'm in a situation of gvura, somehow I manage to tap into a place of hod, and I can fortify my deep feeling that there's something happening here that's somehow positive and for my benefit, and that there's meaning in my struggle and challenge. That's the midah of tonight. And so B'siyat HaDashmai, I'd like to present three different approaches to this sugya. There are many more to focus on these three and to try to hopefully walk away with a little bit of a different perspective. And I'll also head off everything that we're going to say by saying that whatever we're going to say is as most things that can be said and that are said, and certainly that are lectured about, given a shir on, on it's much easier said than done. Right? Doing it 
<laughs> I don't know how to do it. I'm working on it, you know? It's much harder to actually apply these perspectives, but we, we must begin with knowing that they exist. Otherwise, we'll never have a shot. If we don't know where we're going, and we don't know what the ideal is, and we don't really have the tools, how to use the tools, that, that's, that's, that's not easy, I and mean, that's the challenge of life. And I can't resolve that for you, I can hardly resolve that for myself, you know? We're all working on that together. But let's learn the words. Let's learn the teachings, let's find the roadmap, and then let's support each other on our individual and collective journeys toward that, toward that place. Let's take a look at the first source. Starts on your left-hand side. The presence of absence. This is approach number one. L'chaim, l'chaim, l'chaim. And if anybody needs anything, you want to take food, you know, pass, them, pass it around, chicken's getting cold. Feel free to. Yeah. People usually are more comfortable with the. If you, if you would do it, they would have been there. I don't know that anybody wants to see me talk with my mouth full. Yeah, the devil. Warring, warring factions. That's what polytheism is. That there are multiple sources to things, and it's far more intuitive, isn't it? It's far easier. All right? Monotheism is radical. It's a crazy thing. Everything comes from a source of good. It's wild. Okay, so let's, let's, uh, let's, let's take a look at, at the first source over here, which comes from Sikha Saran, from the teachings of Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, Skosia Gunaleinu. But the Tzadik addresses a very common knee-jerk perception that we have when things go wrong, which is the feeling straight off the bat that we are being abandoned, that we are being punished, you know, straight off the bat. Something negative happens, our knee-jerk feeling, because this is the intuitive thing to feel, we'll talk about that more in, in the last section. We feel that Hashem is, has left us and that in that moment we're alone. And then we try to think about why might I be alone? What might I have done wrong? And how can I somehow find a way to get back to HaKadosh Baruch in my life when I feel as if there is a vacancy, there's a void, hey, right? There's, not, there's nothing there. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has abandoned me. Take a look at Rabbi Nachman's words. Omar the Heligat Tzadik says, Rabbi Nachman says, After all of the pain that we go through, and Rabbi Nachman was speaking from a super personal place as somebody who lost four children. His first wife suffered terribly from tuberculosis for the greater part of his very short life. Suffered horrible persecution. And the tzaddik understood what suffering meant. And he said, Achar kol upon reflection, after experiencing the pain that we experience, Afal Pikein, it seems, that even so, Hashem Yisbarach, metiv iman. Kaddish Baruch Hu is doing good things for us. But for some reason or another, on a conscious or a subconscious level, we don't want to put things into perspective. We struggle with putting things into perspective. Vigam, and the Rebbe says that aside from Blaming ourselves, the things we go through aren't small things, they're big deals. People go through serious challenges. There's a tremendous amount of pain in life. 
אבל נגד דבקס אחד להשם יזברך, מה שזוכן לאיזה בכינה של דבקס במחשבה ובבכינה אחרת, but held up to the light of the possibility of one kind of intimate moment, moment of attachment, to use the Heliger of Yaakov Danishevsky's word for Dveikos, and his book Attached is a masterpiece on the level like I can't imagine. I couldn't recommend it highly enough. I'm, I'm actually in the middle of writing a review on that book, which I understand many of the Chevra had a hand in, in making possible. Mamish, like it's, it's required reading, absolutely required reading. So, in relation to one moment of connection, in that moment, the pain fades. But the question, of course, becomes, well, yeah, but those two things are a stira to one another because if I'm being punished and I'm suffering, so then doesn't that create the inability to feel intimate with Hashem in that moment when he seems to have cast me down into the, into the abyss? He's not in my life at this moment. So it's like I should take comfort in that, but that's exactly why I feel so uncomfortable. Right? It's because I'm suffering. And my knee-jerk perception of that suffering leads me to believe that in that moment I'm completely distant from Hashem, that He's abandoned me. So says the Rebbe, oh, there's an easy fix for that. Because listen to these incredibly heart-wrenchingly powerful words. And this is a very high madriga. It might be the highest madriga of anything we're going to discuss tonight. So all high madrigas, like I said, it takes a lot of work and a lot of tefillah. About, it's like... We need to know like where we're trying to get, you know, that that's what we're talking about here. It's like a chandelier. Like, we, like I don't know if you wanted to get to a chandelier. I don't know. But, like, <laughs> but it's like something, it's something out of reach, right? But at least we know what we're trying to aim for. So this is, this, you're going to see the highest madriga. Says the Rebbe, We need to understand a shift in perception. That for some reason, logic dictates that when a Kaddish Baruch who causes something terrible to happen in my life, chas v'shalom, it must be that he's abandoning, abandoning me. And says Rabbi Nachman, no, he's actually creating the possibility of a deeper connection, crazily enough. Listen to these words. It's specifically through those challenges that we can come close to Hashem. And if he hadn't written these words... And if he hadn't himself experienced what he's about to describe, it would be total blasphemy. Not to Hashem, it would be blasphemy to the human condition to say what he's about to say. It would be, it would be impossible to, to handle. He says, well, my health is taken from me. And in his case, it was. Me noitel me many habrias. Who descended into my life? Not me, nobody here, but who? Says Rabbi Nachman. Who came into my life and struck my lungs with tuberculosis? Hashem Izbar. That's a revelation of God. In Cain, Ani Nidbak Bo Yizbarach. If this is the case, then I in this moment am connected to Hashem no less than when a Kaddish Baruch who causes me to win the lottery. It's a revelation. If I accept Avram Avinu's monotheistic revolution, that everything that happens in the world comes from a source, and that source is a source of goodness, and that source is a source of meaning and productivity, and that anything that's the opposite of that is the concealment of God. 
And then HaKadosh Baruch Hu uses that perception of concealment to further his aim in my life. Then this is also the presence of God. Sure, he's absent in this moment, but absence also has a presence. Listen to the next line, it's even stronger. He says, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes one of my children, Almost impossible to say if he didn't say this. Who took my child? Hashem Yisbarach. Imkain Adarabba. If so, on the contrary, Ata at this moment, such a person who Samach Yoyser Elav Yisbarach. That person has merited in that moment to a direct intervention and a direct revelation of HaKadosh Baruch crazily, twistedly, impossibly, as this may be. There's a close encounter here that's taking place. We can't explain it. We can't understand it. It's the sword of Emunah. This is the foundation of everything that we believe in. It would be so much easier, as we've discussed and described, to cast this away for the far simpler understanding of the world as being a derivative of many different sources of energy where I can just say like, this sucks. And it just, it does, it's terrible. Something happened to me that I can't handle. Okay, you know, and it's, we'll just have to deal with that. And I don't know how we'll deal with that because there's no way to reframe it because it just is and it's terrible and it's a tragedy. And then maybe tomorrow we'll bring an energy from like a good place. Yes, yes. Like I said, the, 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 the application of this, I, I, don't, I don't understand. I'm, re- I'm reading the words, right? We're, we're grappling with this. We're trying to understand this. He seems to be addressing the perception of being left alone. And step one is understanding that in a moment of terrible, tragic, horrific experience, the one thing we haven't been is abandoned. Now, we can deal with what the nature of that encounter was, but the first thing is you're not alone. Or the first thing is you haven't been cast away. The first thing is, is that a Kurdish Baruch who cares a whole lot about you, so much so, again, it's not for me or for any of us to say this, but there hasn't been any shortage of tragedies over the last couple of weeks and months, right, in Eretz Do you know that if even some of our most influential leaders would stop make a public announcement, you know, call, let's say, for like all the television stations to come and stick microphones in their face and announce that for whatever reason, every single person should post the Israeli flag on their, on their status. Just like, kacha. What kind of fights there would be about this? Ashkafakli and this and that. And, 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 and maybe like a couple of like fanatics would do it and then it would pressure other people to do it and people would misgivingly do it, but most people wouldn't do it. Rabbi D, Mr. D, Dr. D, I don't know what he is, but <laughs> Rabbi Doctor, let's say, stands up. And he says, Hever, like, this is what I want. All of us, I assume, if we live in the same general kinds of social media circles, you've never seen such a thing, have you? Have you seen such a thing? It was a crazy thing. All of a sudden, you flipped your statuses. Came out every single person, right? And other people had conflict with it. I myself am not so sure what I feel about that. 
that's a separate story for a different time. People felt something. There was authority in what he said. Why was there authority in what he said? If he had said that the day before, would anybody have taken anything seriously? Not really. Like what, what happened qualitatively? I feel, Behargish, you and I had the sense that this person just encountered HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In a crazy backward way, HaKadosh Baruch Hu descended and tapped into his family. Like there's a soid there. There's a mystery there. This person is not the same person he was yesterday. <laughs> How to deal with that theologically? Uh, that's the question of good and evil. And that's like a whole, that's a whole conversation. But Rabbi Nachman wants to let you know that when things happen in your life, the experience of absence is also an experience of presence. We may need other bricks in that building to somehow help us wrap our mind around how this could possibly have come from Hashem who purports to care about me when my life is in shambles. We'll deal with that. That's not what he's addressing now. Do you hear? What he's addressing now is just like step one. HaKadosh Baruch was present there too and maybe even more dramatically than when everything goes according to plan. That's step one, and that's Rabbi Nachman in the first teaching. And he ends, There's a closeness that's expressed when things get taken. There's a closeness when you and me are able to tap into a consciousness of Olam Haba and of seeing things in a deeper way, which we're going to develop as is Hashem. It seems to be that he's referring to the Father. And again, it's not clear because if you follow it from the beginning, when he's talking in the words of the father, he says, And that's his whole point. Who took from me a ben? Not myself, but that's what he's saying, right? Who took from me my Brias? Hashem is Barach. So that's why I said you have to creatively interpret because it doesn't seem to be talking about the son, but there, there are different interpretations. There are different interpretations of that, but that's not the thrust, of, that's not his main thing. The main thing is talking about the person to whom something happens. Let's take a look in the second piece, Memches, which is called Rabbi Nachman's letter, Igeris Maharan. It's like one of the most direct and simple pieces where Rabbi Nachman is just talking to me and you without Torah, is just on a very basic, you know, word to word level. So Rabbi Nachman says of here, when a person enters into the service of God, as I had derech, the way is, the first thing that happens to you is that you get pushed away. And again, what happens to us when we feel pushed away? What happens to us when things happen in life that seem to be the opposite of a divine revelation? What do we feel? HaKadosh Baruch Hu is abandoning me. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is pushing me away from him. And this is again, not on a traumatic level. This is just on a daily ch- on challenge level. Like this is what we experience and our knee jerk reaction again, dictated by the, by, the, by the rules of logic. It must be that Hashem doesn't want me. And here the Rebbe reveals these eternal words. Ube emes, and in truth, kol ha-hesrachus hurak kulei eskarvus. This very experience of being pushed away is itself an experience of eskarvus. Once I somehow get my mind around the counterintuitive workings of a God who declared through his prophet 
My way of thinking is not your way of thinking. And I see things, says Hashem, from an Olam Habedik, a perspective about whom the Tanoim said, It's like just, it's an upside down world. We don't know what's good and what's not good. We, we, we can't process things properly. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, according to the way that I see things, not that, oh, it's a bad thing, and like we can somehow figure a way around it. The very experience of being pushed away. Who? Rak Kule Escarvas. No, that's an experience of being drawn closer. Because a person that you really don't want a relationship with who wants something from you, you give it to him right away. But a person who you, you really care about and really like and, and want to build something of value with, there's a maso mountain, there's a back and forth. There's the opportunity for for intimacy, for embrace. There's a shock levitaria. So of course, Rabbi Nachman says, A person needs a tremendous amount of encouragement. Not to become discouraged. That a person sees so many days go by and a person sees so many years go by. This is not a simple thing. This is a very long story years and decades and we learn and we grow and we develop and this is this is the journey but a person sees right that there's so much effort that takes place and a person is putting in the, the work and 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 but a person feels still that he's distant so what was accomplished that a person feels that he hasn't even begun to enter to the gates of Kedusha. A person still feels full of confusing, distracting thoughts and challenges and difficulties that are just not able to move forward. Any tiny thing this person wants to do, they're not letting me. And so what's the natural, rational, like, experience of that. Must be a Kaddish Baruch who's not looking at me. Must be a Kaddish Baruch who doesn't want me. Because I'm screaming out. And I'm begging. Master of heaven and earth. Help me. Bring me close. And a Kaddish Baruch who in response says, how do you know what's called close and what's called far? How do you know what's called close and what's called far? But his word is v'nid melay. So it's a, it's, a, it's a subjective experience. We only have the tzaddikim to trust. And the tzaddikim taught us all the way back to Chazal. The Mishabura tells us at the beginning, HaKadosh Baruch wants us to try. And we try and we try. And we be'emes have to try. And this is not a game, right? We want to grow. All of us do. We're striving and we're dealing with different things. And we have to know what the challenges are that we're dealing with. And... How to, how to try to navigate. And we are trying to navigate each and every one of us at this room. Baharaya, you're here, right? I mean, we want to show up. And we have our journey and we have our story. And we have our blockages and we have our obstacles. And Akadosh Baruch Hu says, this is part of the journey toward me being held back. This is not me showing you that I'm not interested. This is how I show you that I'm interested. Hashem plays hard to get in a very strange, divine way. 
And it's a question of our perception with regard to how we feel when we feel alone. Because the Kodesh Baruch was telling me and you, oh no, when you feel alone is exactly when I am enveloping you and embracing you. It's a shift. Is there such like a consciousness over here? Yeah. Like when, when we're feeling and we're at such a distance from our friend, like we're, we're so conscious of that. Where it's like the, the mind is like illuminated in that moment where like we're very well aware. And in that moment of like consciousness, then we have, we're like, we have that opportunity to connect more. Whereas before that, we're feeling sort of good, we could just be coasting. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a very pragmatic, practical aspect of distance, right? Like Montesiou sings, if your cup's already full, and it's bound to overflow, right? And, and that's exactly right. And so a feeling, a perception of not having yet enables you to, to move so much further. And that's, of course, true. There are many different layers of that, levels of that. Right now, we're just like sort of setting the stage, right? So on a big picture level, this is what we need to know. Absence is a revelation of presence. This is the way that life works. This is the way our Kodesh Baruch Hu works. We push and we feel not enough and we keep on pushing and we recognize and realize that when things happen in our lives, our Kodesh Baruch Hu is working them in as much as they may feel like they're concealing him. Kodesh Baruch Hu cares about us and that's why he's moving us forward in mysterious ways. But he is moving us forward in mysterious ways. These terrible words that a person comes to this feeling that it must be Hashem does not want me. He now called about all of these things. Each and every one of us need to strengthen ourselves. To strengthen ourselves very, very much. And not to allow this to become a factor in us showing up. Because in truth, <coughs> far more than not simply meaning that we're alone and abandoned, on the contrary. This is part of the process. And everything that we're discussing now was experienced by all the tzaddikim. Of course, is speaking very vulnerably about his own experience. That it appeared to them they also had times when they felt pushed away. They also had times when they felt that they weren't enough. They also had times when they felt that all their toil was for naught. They worked and they worked and they toiled and they pushed and they tried and they cried and they cared. They were still distant, still struggling, still praying to stay afloat. If they hadn't encouraged themselves not to pay attention to this, and if they hadn't encouraged themselves to shift their perspective, guess what would have happened to them, says Rabbi Nachman, because this is the factor. They would never have become the tzaddikim they became. Because they would have convinced themselves that they can never become tzaddikim, because it must be that Hashem doesn't want me, so I may as well turn around and give up. And says the Rebbe, oh, what a mistake, what a mistake, what a mistake. The message is getting misinterpreted. Not only isn't this something to lament about, this is something to thank Hashem for. Thank you, Rabbi Shalom, for caring so much about me. That you're revealing to, to that you're revealing yourself to me in my life through this lavush of abandonment. Crazily enough, I trust in the tzaddikim. I'm pushing forward. 
tragedy strikes, God struck. How to reconcile that theologically? It's a problem. That was the Avram Avinu's radical revolution, you know? But tragedy happens anyway. So being able to deal with that and find meaning in it and approach that from different perspectives which assume that there is tov, that there is goodness hidden at the root of this allows me to breathe, to move forward. But step one is getting somehow our mind around this paradoxical idea. HaKadosh Baruch Hu cares about me. HaKadosh Baruch Hu cares about you. Nothing in our lives that happen is happening because Hashem left. Everything in our lives that happens is happening because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is present. Hashem Nasan, the Pasuk says, Hashem gives. And it doesn't say Vesatan Lakach, right? Asitra Achra Lakach. Hashem Lakach. And that's no lesser revelation. That's step one. Step number two. So now let's build on this foundation, the mysterious process. We'll try to go a little bit more quickly. We can finish the sources. Says the Tzadik Deilig Abedich of Aravim Kedusha Slevi Parshas Ve'eretz Chayk Kim. Sari Imenu announces after giving birth to a child, they're nine decades plus, and she says, God has created a great joy for me, a great laughter for me. So the obvious question is, what's this Elikim, right? What would you assume that you would say? What's Elikim? Seems out of place. He says, Hashem's intention in giving our avos hakadoshim and imois children in their old age, they had to wait for a very long time. How do you think they felt, right? Sadikim Sidkanias on levels that we can't imagine, davening like we can't imagine, nothing, radio silence. Not for five years, 10 years, 90 years. Crushing, right? Totally crushing. Kader Kala Arts, like regular people have children, Bishnainu Urim, Ezra Hashem. Should all be Zaycha to that. Kadesha Titstar Al Zakharish Barhu wanted that they should go through a process. This is this is called a mysterious process. So that at the end, at the end of the process and at the end of everything that we need to learn along this curriculum of dealing with challenge and pain and loss. At the end, we reach the Yeshua. We look back over that whole experience retrospectively. And there's a tremendous, tremendous joy, the quality of which couldn't be experienced otherwise. Because something that comes easily, it has a degree of joy, but you can't quite compare it. And we need to qualify what we mean here because it doesn't seem very fair. Because if you would have asked Sari Menu, what would you rather? You know, like a real great Simcha, 99, whatever it was. Or like, you know, to have a kid when you're 23, you know, like whatever. She probably would have said just Michael Tavis and give me a kid, right? Doesn't seem fair. We're going to see from the Svasem is something out of this world in a minute. We'll get there. But that's an obvious question when you learn this piece. Bear with us for now. Something comes easy, there's no joy. And that's what Sari Minu was saying. The source of my great joy at this moment, says Sari Minu, perish. What this means is, the aspect of Midas Hadin. 
Shamana mimeni pribitni, that withheld children from me, Aratazman Rav, all of these very long, very arduous years, Asalitzchaik Vesimcha. That is the source and that is the root now of my great joy. It's used specifically, not despite the meaning of the name Elohim. She meant exactly what she said. The source of my laughter now, Tzchaik Asali Elohim. All of those long years of waiting, all of the challenge that I've experienced, that is what has availed me this, this level of joy. And this is what we're going to say in Halal is Hashem this Friday morning. Now on a simple level, we can translate these words as, which is how you translate it literally, I thank you Hashem ki anisani. What does anisani mean? For you have answered me, right? That's what it means on a simple level. Like, Kodesh Baruch Hu answered, David HaMalas Tfilos, Vatihi Lilishua, right? And you, you saved me, says the Radich of Renault. It means something else. What else could the word inisani mean? Mishairish inui, right? The chameshas inuim is affliction. Listen to the way that he reads these psukim. It's out of this world. Changed my halal when I learned this the first time. Oid says davar amalach ki inisani. Hashem, I thank you. Literally, I thank you because you've afflicted me. Now I have a muna that even so, this is a different madrega. I thank you for the pain because vatehili lishua. Not that despite what I've gone through, ah, you brought me to a salvation. The root that took me through the fire has brought me to a level of joy, which we'll talk about what elements might be present in such a kind of joy, which is something else, not just like happiness, celebration, something else we'll see from the Svasamas. That's why you afflicted me. Not that's why you saved me or answered me. That is why you put me through what you put me through because life is a process and you and I never know what's next. How many times in my life, I, I guarantee we can go around the table now and we'll be here for the next two, three hours just collecting simple testimony. How many times in your life were things really bad in the moment and then a day or two later or two days or two later or a week or a month or a year, you looked back and you said, wow, now I get it. Now I get why I had to be fired from that job. Now I get why this thing didn't work out and this relationship didn't work out. Now I, now I understand why I had to go through that because now I have the tools to, et cetera, et cetera. We are so quick to judge the moment by the moment when the fact is that we're missing context. We are always missing context because the context has yet to come. So the way that we experience life linearly moment to moment, is that we think anything that happens, happens within the context of the past. But that's half the story. Because the context granted by the future could change the game. So that's a good motto. You never know what comes next. So hang in there, right? There's a process at play. And he says, the passage continues, Evan ma'asu aboinim. There was a stone that was disgusted, that was despised, rather, by the builders. 
Not despite, but because of this stone's experience, that one incident that I thought Mamish broke me, somehow gave me the tools where later on after healing and later on after, after doing the work and what, later on whatever, dealing with the traumas and, and, and whatever that means for me, I'm able to look back and like that moment is the crowning jewel of my personality. That's what I hold onto for strength. That's what I am able to connect with that allows me to give life to others, etc., etc. There are many different ways of exploring this. That Evan Ma'asua Bainu? No. That becomes Haisul Raishpina. May and then what's the next Pasuk? May Ace Hashem Haisazais. I recognize, again, he's reading these Sukkim very, very radically differently. Not that the salvation was from Hashem. I look back and I say, whoa, everything that I went through must have come from Yudke Vavke. Must have come from the meat of Chesek Leimar. In this that I had to experience what I went through. And then I got to a place where I'm able retroactively to look back and appreciate the, the, the journey. So then I get to the understanding. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in his absence was absolutely present in my life each and every moment. But when a person just, you know, everything goes well, which I don't think there's any person I've ever met where like, this is the case. Everybody has their things. So like things go well. I'm like, okay, like this is just the way that things are. But we don't sense the presence of Hashem. When a person suffers, and then afterwards something remarkable happens and then Hashem takes us out of that challenge and that time of, of great pain it becomes clear to us that everything that we experience is a direct, direct, direct message from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's a process that he's leading me on. What's the goal? To live a tranquil life? Or to, lo- or to live a life where I become a channel to bring Hashem's light into the world? And the answer, of course, is the latter. Because it's the former. Then this world is really, really a terrible place to be. And... We're going to end up really miserable. Right? Shlomo Amalek did us a big favor when he screamed, Adam la Amal Yulad. Man was born to toil. Man was born to toil, right? The expectation is that there are going to be bumps in the road. That's, it's, not a, it's not a fault, that's a feature. That's a feature of life. Because as beacons of light, if everything was always light all the time, then our work here is done. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu has millions of angels doing things perfectly where there are no holocausts and no ilma yitzir. You know what I'm saying? Like everything just works. There's darkness in life. Now's the time to fire up your lantern. This is why you're here. It's not despite the fact that like you and I thought that everything is supposed to go smoothly, it's like things are breaking. Wait, it says not what I signed up for. Oh, it's exactly what you signed up for. It's not even something that you signed up for because you know something, and I'm gonna say something strong now, you probably wouldn't have believed in yourself enough to sign up for this task. It's something you were assigned to. That's what Chazal mean when they say, you live against your will. 
Because if each and every moment you and I had a vision of all the things that we've gone through and all the things that we're going to go through in life, you and I would have tapped out the first second and said, forget it, hell with it. You know that and I know that for sure. This is Pashit. I don't believe in myself enough to deal with what I've had to deal with. I hope that we all appreciate simchas, but I'm just a little bit realistic. Like life is challenging, especially in 2023, especially in our times. Life is tough. People deal with things. HaKadosh Baruch Hu believes in you more than you believe in you because he put you here. And that means that every breath that you and I take is again HaKadosh Baruch Hu filling us with empowerment, saying, you got this. You got this. Everything that you go through is from him. This is how we end. We say, what a pellet. What a wonder this thing called life. What a wonder this journey. What a wonder how things are arranged, how much I've learned. What a curriculum this is. I posted that my status today popped into my head. I might have seen it somewhere else. I have to Google my good lines to find it who said it first and where I got it from. I don't know, but sometimes I feel like this is something original. I don't know. It popped into my head today. Because people say, you know, you, you win some, you lose some, right? And the idea is that sometimes we win and sometimes we really lose. But I feel very strongly that you win some, you learn some. Not an Indian, you win some, you lose some. Because if I lost, I also won. Because who told me that winning means everything going right all the time? Who told you that that's what success means? Success is measured only in what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants from you. And Rahman Aliba boy. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants your heart. And your heart is functioning at full capacity. Whether, whether you know, every Seder works out and you learn everything that you're supposed to learn or whether you just feel like one day you just can't get a bed because you're whatever, whatever the story might be. But you feel that and you, and you turn that into an opportunity for connection built on the foundation of understanding that if I feel an absence of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, there's a sense of presence there as well. So you win some and you learn some. Adam Amal Yulad, we're going to skip the second paragraph. Let's take a look at the next page. We're running out of time. <clears throat> take a look at the Svas Emes, source number three. If you would live in hindsight, is it, are you saying that, is the, is the rabbi saying that Hashem is equanimity, right? Hashem always has the vacancy with us. It's our perception that changes sometimes when we have what we call hardships. We, don't, we, we find this Rachel versus. Later on, we see it as really that was, you know, we see Barth that Amazon, Barth don't make it. But that is, Hashem uh, is always equal to us. Or is the same, there's a certain time Hashem has a punishment. And that's a real part, that's real something Hashem is giving to us. That later on, you know, we can find the Nechama from it and we see it as really the Toba. So if we were to live in hindsight at that time of that hardship, if we actually lived on the highest level, we're able to say, wow. This is actually, this is Kriva. This is, this is Kiva Sashem. Yeah. Is, this is no longer, is that us acknowledging Hashem? Is that no longer become a punishment? I don't know what the word punishment means. Well, Meaning, you know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, punishment, I, like cleansing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know, I don't, Hashem is like punishing me. Ini Sani is an affliction, you know, that I feel. Yeah, it's an, it's an affliction, right? Because we suffer in life. 
getting into the conversation about is there such a thing as being distant from Hashem? That's that's a topic that's not it's not right. That's not for right now. And it gets into the topic of tzimtzum, and it gets into the topic of our perception of reality vis-a-vis Hashem's perception of reality and the dual nature of reality and what it means. That there are sins that put up a wall. Like we're not. I, I don't want to get into that whole sugya right now. What David Melech seems to be saying is. Everything that happens, Rebbe Shalom, Ashkacha, 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 Ashkacha. It goes good for me, Ashkacha. It goes not good for me. There's an opportunity here for me to manifest my inner greatness for which I was brought into this world to reveal by dealing with what I'm going through. And sometimes dealing with what I'm going through means that I pass the test. And sometimes dealing with what I'm going through means that I fail miserably. And somehow that also becomes a learning experience, either for the future or just in terms of, as we're going to see from this Fasemis in a minute, how much humbler I become when things really don't work out and how clearer it is to me that I need to rely more on Hashem, not less. So there are many layers to this and we're trying to examine. That's why I chose three because I want to like try to give Hall, different... That part of how ends that. Right, so he this says is, he uh, says that in the last paragraph, but I didn't. Kind of, yeah, he this, says this he's, is the creator. Let's rejoice in it. Yes, uh, yes. Yes. Not, yes. He's saying that the void is that eventually you turn the uh, Anisani into the as as a uh, 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 as, as an answer. Mm, mm, that is the answer. That is the answer. <laughs> turn back into an answer. Beautiful, That's beautiful. Ainoa. Beautiful. Ayla bekana Stunning. Says the Elikas Asemis. This is more Pesach related, but it's Mamish Arsugya. And this grapples with like the big question that I mamish always had up until this year. It really bothers me. Like everybody makes a whole big deal. Hashem saved us from Mitzrayim. The most amazing thing. HaKadosh Baruch Hu saved us. And I'm like, but Hashem also put us in Mitzrayim. <laughs> like, like, so, like leave us alone. You know what I'm saying? Like, like don't put us in a situation where we're like need to be saved and then we'll be okay. That always bothered me on a serious level. I'm not just being facetious. It grappled with this. The Svasamas addresses this in the most wonderfully intuitive way. Changed my whole Pesach. Lechem oini, right? We call the bread that we eat, not bread, matzah, right? Lechem. Bread, matzah that we eat, Seder night, we call it lechem oini. And it has a lot of different interpretations. It's the same word, by the way, oini, right? And the Mepharshim have a disagreement. A disagreement. They give different approaches as to what this means. Is matzah supposed to represent the affliction? Or is matzah supposed to reflect the redemption? What does this mean, lechem oini, poor man's bread? Because we were so impoverished, right? So we came out with nothing and it's a symbol of how little we had and we ate matzah already there or the Egyptians gave us matzah, whatever it is. Or, or it's a symbol of, wow, we, we went out so quickly that we didn't have time to take anything. We just put bread on our, dough on our shoulders, give out, right? Lechem oini, you can go either way. Rashi Ramban, and it seems from the words of Rashi and the Ramban that it's talking about the affliction. But the Maral is not so pleased with this and he says, nah, it can't be. I mean, you know, matzah, we eat it leaning and the whole thing. Matzah is cheris, right? And the truth appears. It is a symbol both of the descent into slavery and the redemption. 
Listen to these words. Ki bevadai aleinu l'shabeach al hagolos gamkein. We absolutely, with certainty, need to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the experience of, of Galus as well. And here he asks my question, our question, because if not, what is the great praise that HaKadosh Baruch Hu redeemed us? If we could have gotten as close to Hashem without that experience, and here is that question, don't put me in Gullus and then don't save me. What the Svasemes is clear on, like what, what is obvious to the Svasemes is that Pesach cannot only be about the Geula because the question that I asked before is just too strong. It doesn't make sense because it's, it's just not rational. Don't thank God for redeeming you when he's the one that put you in the pain in the first place. So the Svasemis finds that question to be so incredibly existential and powerful that it's clear to him that Pesach must be about something else. What might, be Pe- what might Pesach be about then if it's not about just being redeemed? Says the Elika Svasemis must be that Pesach is just as much about the Gullus as it is the Geula. How so? I'm sorry, it's clear to us Seder night that Hagolus, that the pain and the suffering 210 years of horrible, horrible, horrible suffering and affliction, it isn't simply that there was a deficit and that Kodesh Baruch who brought us from minus one to zero. It's that the experience of the deficit in and of itself had utility beyond simply putting us in a position where our Kodesh Baruch Hu needs to save us. Because without Mitzrayim, we don't get the Torah. Because without Mitzrayim, it's not baked into our consciousness to be sensitive to the stranger. Because without Mitzrayim, it's not built into our spiritual DNA that we're just geirim in this world. Because without Mitzrayim, we never learn what it's like to be whipped so that we can withhold from whipping others. Because without Mitzrayim, we never learn how to humble ourselves before HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Listen to how he says it. And that's why we start the Haggadah. In the beginning, our, our forefathers were serving Mitzrayim. But we start the story from then. And not because we're trying to say, oh, look how things were and, and look how they are now. No, says the that's part of the praise. We're thanking Hashem for that. Hashem's chesed was from then. Your wonders, which is what we just referred to from the Kedusha Slavi in the previous piece. And your thoughts which we referred to earlier when we said, Loi says, Trust me, I think differently than you. David HaMelech says, Eleinu. Not just toward us, or about us, but for us. Eleinu. Kodesh Baruch Hu is thinking on our behalf when we sleep, and when we're not even thinking about our behalf, and when we're not even thinking or conscious about like life and like where things are headed, there is some <coughs> being who is an infinite being and therefore, therefore in caring cares infinitely about each and every one of us who he's consciously breathing life into, which we interpreted as 
empowerment, for which, by the way, Chazal tells us we need to thank him. Not just because he gives you life, which in and of itself is not a very good thing, per se, right? Because it's, it's tough. Like I, I, you know what I'm saying? Like if I could choose, I'm out. You know what I'm I don't need to be here. I don't really like enjoy schnitzel that much. I like, like I like it, but like I'm not going to suffer 80 years like, because schnitzel, you know, like I don't need it. I don't need it. None of us need it. We go through challenge in this world. We go through hell in this world. I don't need it. I'm out. empowers us. We need to thank him. You believe in me. I'm here to do something. I'm here to do something. Schnitzel could be a part of that, by the way. I'm not against schnitzel. I'm here to do something in this world. Elecha. Elecha. Oh, yeah. Elecha. That's the way that we reflect Eleinu. But a Kodesh Baruch Hu, who's infinite and cares about us infinitely, is constantly thinking about how to help us along in an infinite way. So he says very simply what this means is What we learn through the process And this going back to Sari Imenu Was what she was saying Not simply oh you know I wanted this for so long And now you gave it to me so the joy is great I mean could the joy be that great 90 years of crying Give me the kid when I'm 20 Decades It's more than that You hear? It's more than simply oh the joy is that much greater Because I waited so long It's more than that the joy is that much greater because retroactively, look at how much I gained in the process. Something subtle, but it's different. It's different. You hear the difference, Chavra? Yeah? It's different. Because on a simple level, you read the Kedusha Slavi and it's like, oh, what I, like it's, I, I hear the Pshat, it's Chalik HaSaliyah Kim, because it was withheld from her and she wanted it so badly and then it happened, so it's a great joy. Fine. But according to the Svasa so you're not just thanking God for the Gula, however long it may have taken, because we're so happy. Because the Kodesh like we said, don't put me in Gullus and then don't take me out. Michael Taivas. In the words of the Svasa just leave it even. Says the Svasa now, you're not thanking Hashem for the Gula. You're thanking Hashem for what you gained in the process. We're so set on attaining our goals that we are blind to how much we learn in the process of striving. That is so much more valuable than whatever we thought we were getting. Because we become sensitive. In struggling, we become sensitive to the struggle of others. In being pushed to the point where the illusion of our ability to control life is shattered, brings us to a place of surrender. In being forced to drop illusions that no longer work, we begin to become vulnerable. And a Kodesh Baruch Hu says, that's what I always ever wanted. It's just you. Not what you think you're getting so you can give me. I just want you. And the process to getting you is struggling and failing and getting back up and learning and strategizing and crying and giving up and then finding the strength to continue. I got his reference said, that's what I wanted. Everything else is a hechatimsa to eliciting you from within the realm of of you. There's a real you. There's a Rahmana Liba boy. Hashem says, that's what I ever wanted in this whole thing. I just, I just want, I want you to open up to me. And that's what we gain in challenge. That's what we gain in suffering. That's what we gain. Let's finish this piece. It's not something to say what makes a person more is not 
Yeah, yeah, the pro- the process. Who has a ring but he never played versus someone who actually played every game and he went and he broke like it's not how many kisufa at some point. Yeah. Okay, if you got Ula, we didn't go through slavery. Like I wasn't. I can't really relate to the whole situation. Yes, exactly. Meaning we would have been well, free, so we're free. That's a huge quote. That's, that, that's what he says. That's but listen to the way. Yes, yes, and listen to how he says it as it relates to you and me. I'm telling you these words, if we could tattoo words, like you know, I would tattoo this on my chest, you know? <laughs> Listen to what he says here. Listen. <laughs> because without going through challenge, none of us can become healed from the endemic natural experience of gayus, of illusory control. Could translate as arrogance, but none of us think we're arrogant, right? But the illusion of control is still the illusion of separateness from God. And the way to get out of that is by being pushed to your breaking point. Then you start to open up. Then you become whole. That's what the Kutzker taught. There's nothing as whole as a broken heart. This is the way God works. And this is called Niflais. This is called Pele. We don't understand it. This is the wondrous way that Hashem works. That a person can receive goodness in life without, excuse me, it leading to a spiritual demise because it leaves them feeling entitled. Now listen to this last line. And it appears that any negative thing that we go through is for this purpose. It's to help you. But Rabbi Shalom, I, I want to be the biggest Tamil Chacham. I, I can't sit and learn. I can't understand the Gemara. Because, like, that's my goal. And Akadosh Baruch said, maybe your goal. It's not my goal. My goal is to make you open to me. And paradoxically, your challenge in Gemara, even though it doesn't meet your image of what you think success is in the eyes of God, is paradoxically bringing you closer to God's image of success than being a Tamil Chacham ever could. It's game changing. Changes everything, right? Because we start to shift our value system. What is it that Hashem wants from me? And all of a sudden it becomes apparent that it's, it's not what He wants from you, it's just you. That's what He wants from you, is you. There are many ways that you can express that. And often times, and the Svasem says more often than not, Th- those paths all lead through challenge. And that's not a, like we said, it's not a fault. That, that's a feature. That's part of it. And therein lies hode and thankfulness. Not going to get into source number three so intensely. We're already over time. Let's just take a look at source number eight. And I encourage you, if you can take the, take the sheets and review this and hold on to it if you can. In some ways, it, it sounds like you're saying it's a, the purpose is to subjugate. A person, right? Yeah, it's an intense word, subjugate. To to open a person, yeah. Because to me, it it gives an imagery of a of a master whipping. Yeah, but we have we have to reframe that. That that's not what this was. I'm saying. means means to bring a person into 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 a situation where they finally feel comfortable dropping the masquerade. That's right. So to surrender, yeah, in one form or another. Even that word has a lot of like twelve-step connotations. Whatever. Just, just being, being authentic, being vulnerable, being okay, like actually showing up fully. 
Let's take a look at the very end. It says the Elegatanya, and we'll end with this. And this is again one another darka of of approach as to how we can come to Hoyit Shabbat Somehow thank Hashem for the challenges, not just for the salvation from the challenges. It says the Elegatanya, Chusiyagunaleinu and Shariich Vemuna Paragimel. No, this is a mistake. No, this is Tanya in Igaras Hakodesh Yud Aleph. <laughs> because <laughs> no, because if you look at sources, they're both the same and they're not the same piece. <laughs> so the Haley Gatanya says like this: Ubera Inyan. Let's finish it up strong, Chevra. Let's take this one home. Ubera Inyan. Urak Emuna Mitas Viyot At the end of the day, Hakadosh Baruch Hu wants us to come to Emuna, and Emuna doesn't mean an intellectual conception that there's one God. We started the sheer with a meditation on the way in which monotheism isn't just a religious revolution, but it's an emotional revolution. It changes everything, right? That's what we started with. So that's what's called Sadik be'emunasai yichye. That's what it means to live with emuna, not to have emuna. That's a level to rattle off the animamans and theoretically know that there's a nimsa risha, there's a siba sasibas, there's a first cause, and like we don't believe in idols, that's already a big madrega. That was his shush, not mine. But, but what that means, what that means, to, 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 not a big shusher, but what that means in, uh, we remember our minion was called the no shushing minion. So he said, we, don't talk we, so that people talk. won't shush you. So we, we're against shushing, right? You should say we talk with Hashem. We, yes, we talk to Hashem. <laughs> right? What, what, so, 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 tzadik uh, and, and it says, at the end of the day, everything that we spoke about is just wrapped up in the word emuna, right? Emuna. To live, to live with the realization that there's more to life than meets the eye. Emuna. It's very subtle. There are many madrigas, there are many levels, there are many approaches, there are many angles. We discussed some of them tonight. There are many more. The study of emuna is vast. But sadik When it comes to the end, that's what God wants. Not shas and not and not chasidus and not mikvah and not like all that is good and great and useful and 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 chiyuvim. that's at the end of the day like what is the distilled intention of all of this bring the person to a way of living so if you have a person who's a huge tamar chacham but then in their lived experience of the challenges of day-to-day life and relationships and other things then that that's not the that's not like the intention. Intention isn't to become a computer and to like take Oitzer Asfarim and put it into your head so you can save a lot of money. That's not what it means. It just, it just, it's supposed to like the Kotzker said, okay, so you went through Shas. Questions of Shas goes through us. And if we can keep that as our intention, I don't either mean to say that, okay, so once you live with Amunah, so we don't need Shas. HaKadosh Baruch Hu set things up in such a way that we need to work and we need each on our own level and we have to take the all of Yiddishkeit, but let's not lose focus, right? Where are we trying to go? Emuna, emuna, emuna. So let's finish this. Da'inu. Listen to this carefully because every word is very subtle. And I'm going to go very quick because really could go on about this, but we'll just do it quickly. Da'inu. Shahabriya yesh me'ayin. HaKadosh Baruch who created the world something from nothing. Hanekrei's reishis chachma. And that means that it comes from a place of chachma. What does it mean chachma? How is Chachman different from Bina? Very basically, Bina means there's something here and I can understand it, right? I can understand it technically, I can work it out. Chachma is? Chachma. Chachma, exactly. Chachma is the letters Chachma. And, and uh, 
Koachma means I, I can't quite grasp it. Koachma, like what, what, what is this energy, right? And that's the revelation of Hashem's intellect, which is just not graspable, like we said. This is the Bria, this is the creation that you and I experience each and every moment, emerging from an unfathomable place. That's what Ayin is. It's the realm of Chachma, because the Pasuk says, Chachma is the place of Ayin. And that's what it means, yesh me'ayin. It means that everything that we experience on a lived experience of like things in this world, they're root unfathomability. We don't have any conception of things. We must live in a perpetual state of curiosity. We must live with a perpetual sense for the mystery of being. The first way to know that someone knows nothing is when they claim to know something. The first way you know this is this is not a guide. Anybody that knows anything worth knowing knows that whatever they know is the is the is the most outward edge of something that they sense. Okay, that's that's somebody that I want to learn from, right? Those are the, those are our tzaddikim. They didn't claim to be big masters. They claim to to want to join us in our search after the infinite. When a person thinks about this, contemplates this, how everything that happens in my life is emerging from that place of unfathomability. So how does it come into a person's brain that what I'm experiencing is bad? Anything that I'm experiencing suffering and raising children or in livelihood, a parnasa, physical health, all the other sufferings. That place from which everything emerges, which is called ayin, that's a place of life, and that's a place of good, and it's a place of pleasure. And it's a place that is beyond Olam Haba. But because we don't perceive it that way in our minds, so then that's the way that we experience it. Challenging words to take, but they're here. Nothing bad comes from heaven because Hashem is good and we believe in monotheism and it means that despite the theological incompatibility inca- in, uh, of these two experiences everything is good everything is good and why can't I understand it, says the Balatanya, not because it ain't good, but because it's so good that it's beyond you. That's step number three, unfathomable goodness. Because if something happens in my life that's good, how deep could it be if my human mind can, can grasp it? Super limited, because how much do I understand of things? Tiny, tiny, tiny amount, if anything. And so something good happens to me and I'm like, okay, it's good. But imagine when something good happens to me that I don't understand. So much so that it seems bad. It's beyond me. It's beyond me. It's unfathomable goodness. It's a greater degree of goodness, says the Tanya, because it appears bad. 
Wild. Wild stuff. And this is why we were created. That this is what we're supposed to get to, work toward. To believe. That there is no place devoid of him. And we live life in the light of the living king. And in his place there is rejoicing. Because the Baruch Hu is experiencing raktaif kalayim. Yalkain and therefore Rashis Akal, the first step of a Jew is This is the essence of what it means to be a Yehudi, a person that knows how to be grateful, not just when things go good, but also when things go bad. And I dare say, specifically, crazily enough, when things go bad, is to rejoice in as much as we're able each and every moment. Don't have time now to address the fact that Hashem doesn't want us to become robots and there's Shiva and there's Shleishim and there's Shana and tragedies happen and HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to experience human emotions because He never intended for us to become emotionless robots with plastered clown painted smiles on our face. That's not healthy. That's not good. That, that's not, huh? Botox. Yeah, all right, Botox. That's not, that's not either it, right? <laughs> So he says, But to walk with a sense of calm to which I can, even if momentarily, depart from the crashing waves on the surface of the ocean of life and take a dive below the surface where things are still. Every Jew needs to have that. Doesn't mean that we live down there. You can't breathe for very long in that place, right? You come up gasping for air, even though it's a storm out there. <clears throat> to be a person with emuna means that we have a reservoir from which we are able to draw. It's a madrega to live there. It's a madrega to like mamish do it. And, and you have to know how to be delicate when it comes to dealing with other people's trauma and their pain. This is a big sugyas. We don't have all the time now tonight. There's a big, 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 huge sugya we're opening up. But to at least, at the minimum, have enough of a foundation to know that I have a place to like just duck out for a couple of minutes. <sighs> to breathe. And then I'll come back to the surface and, and deal with what I deal with. right? Become a little bit fish-like. That's how Kali Yisrael are compared to Dagim, right? Become a little bit of fish, you know, you swim down. Breathe. Oh. That's, that's called a muna. And again, I want to clarify, I am not holding here. Like I'm, I'm literally reading words off a page that I hold as an ideal that I'm striving to, to attain. And in my not holding there, you know how much I'm learning? <laughs> this is the process. So there I'm holding by, by the way. Like the gullah part, I, I got. The gula part I'm working on, but all of us are. So let's finish this off. Just skip all the way to the last paragraph and with this we'll finish. He says, and when a person has this belief, there's a very famous line, when we are and we demonstrate to HaKadosh Baruch Hu that we, we understand why we were sent to this world, and when things go wrong, we understand that this is why we are here. And this is not despite the challenge that I'm going through. Hashem, for some reason, put me down here. No, this is why I'm here is to illuminate that darkness. 
And the darkness that I experience validates my, ex- my existence because that's why I am here. So that I expect things to go wrong, not in a pessimistic way, but in a way that enables me to put into context what life is all about in the first place. Says the Labavitcher Rebbe, says the, the Alter Rebbe, he says, good, that you rectify that Nisayon and then things can become good again. That's a way of sweetening the challenge. You won. So Hashem says, okay, good. And then we can send down relatable, perceivable tov back to our lives. With this faith, that whatever appears to be ra on the surface, it's drawing on a place of ultimate tov because it's here to teach me something. That comes from a place that's beyond my capacity to understand. Which comes from a place of paradise, paradoxically. We've elevated the circumstances that to our limited knowledge look challenging. And we somehow have the capacity to allow that to become a clea, a receptacle for the manifestation of that good that was present at its source. And that's really the foundation for the Lubavitcher saying, trach good, right? You think good and it will be good. Now we understand the makam of that. It doesn't just mean positive thinking. There's an omek to positive thinking. Today they talk sometimes about toxic positivity. It's possible. It's possible. You know, with all these memes and these encouraging things, so I was just like, "Shut up!" You know, it's like, <laughs> like, 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 you know, it's life is more complicated than like a like a meme, you know. And sometimes we're not there, and sometimes, like I said, for health purposes, for healing purposes, you have to go through the pain and the bitterness and facing things and 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 grieving things and so on. A nuanced approach to gavura enables us. To experience life with greater integrity. Not as something that we're trying to get something out of. But as something that we're ready to be in fully. Fully. Always. Not so that we can escape from the tough moments and plan the next vacation. Even though vacation may be a part of life. And you and I know that vacation brings sometimes more tsars than staying home, right? Sometimes, you know, and like Rabbi Nachman already told us, again, the great pessimist, the great optimist, but the great pessimist also, the great optimist, the great realist, that like, who knows who's happier, you know? Like there, 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 there are frustrations there too. Marba nechas and marba daiga. Like you can't get, out of, can't get away from it. So that's life. But we say, okay, uh, I know why I'm here and I'm in. I'm stepping into this ring like Chayni Amagal and I'm not leaving until you take me, Rabbi Shalom, but I'm going to live this one fully. I'm not running away. I'm going to experience every emotion that I'm experiencing fully, not judgmentally, not trying to run away from it, fully. And that's what you want from me, to show up. So Rabbi Shalom, I'm ready. I'm showing up. Thank you, Hashem, for my pain. And to really mean that, like, can we get to that place? Thank you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, for, for my pain. I want to be a Jew. I want to be Avram Avinu. I want to be Echad Avram. I want to live a life of Achtos, of oneness. And I want to bring that light to the world. Shibizarcha, to be able to dance with the Tsar. 
we should be zeichet to experience, like the Lubavitcher Rebbe used to say, only hatoiv hanirivah niglas, right? Only the revealed good, because everything that's not, is not, doesn't mean it's not good, it's hidden. We should experience good things in life. But we should manifest our inner greatness, which exists as it does by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, at the place of our smallness. From that place, we reflect Hashem. Our greatness is our anivas. What is anivas? Authenticity, vulnerability. Stop hiding, stop hiding. Be totally open. I'll just leave you with just one line. Means the seal of God is truth. And the way that most people interpret that to mean is that the principle of MS, that's where God is. What does it mean? Integrity in business, uh, you know, not telling a lie, right? Speaking truthfully, like the ideal of truth, the principle of truth, that's God's seal. And mamish think that that's a corruption of the Maimon Chazal. Because MS also means, like outside of like the, the ideal of like truth, MS just means whatever you're actually going through. That's what MS is. That's just MS. That's the facts of my life right now. And so when I'm willing to show up with all of that, that's the seal of God. It doesn't look very godly, but guess what? You don't really know what God looks like. As much as we can become more open toward others in our relationships, more real, strip away stupid external layers. It's mamish idol worship. Just to open up to God. Be open to your children. Be open to your spouse. Be open to your friends. And I'm talking to myself. Kodesh Baruch Hu should help us be open. L'chaim. We didn't have so much time. There's so much to... Keep it going. Let's do it again.